0: Hello everyone. Today is October fourteenth, twenty twenty-one. I'm here with Greg Devlin. Greg is a student of life. Thanks for coming on the podcast, Greg.
1: Thanks for having me, Krish. How's it going?
0: It's going. You're welcome. It's going good. How you, how's it going for you?
1: It's good. I'm just uh just had some dinner and enjoying my non-work life at the moment. <laughs>
0: Nice. Nice. I just had dinner too. How long have you been in your non-work life?
1: Um, I would say like a week and a half, but I was working pretty minimally for the last, I don't know, five months or so.
0: Okay. What happened five months ago?
1: Uh, well, I quit my job and then I came to visit the U.S., and then uh, when I went back, uh, things switched to online, so I was working just maybe 10 hours a week, and then it picked up a bit more, about to 20 hours a week, and that was like the most it picked back up, but that was pretty average, so yeah, I got back to about 20 hours a week, which I still consider very uh, relaxing lifestyle, but now I'm back to, to zero, so
0: wow and what job did you quit five months ago
1: i was a teaching job in taiwan so i was teaching english to mostly kindergartners wow and yeah and that was uh that was the last job i was teaching that i quit was teaching kindergartners and then maybe some elementary school kids in the afternoon and then when i quit and came back to california for three weeks uh And then I went back. And when I came back, I was teaching just elementary school. And uh, yeah.
0: Okay. What was the reason you quit?
1: Um, I quit because actually I was going to move in Taiwan from a city I was in called Taoyuan, which is about an hour south of Taipei. So I was going to start a life in Taipei. had a job lined up and everything. Uh, And then I realized... I wanted to leave Taiwan in the next year. I think kind of some of the political stuff uh, kind of made me feel that I maybe I'd have to leave at any point. So I wasn't really ready to put a bunch of money down on the security deposit because Taipei is exponentially more expensive.
0: Really? It's it's an expensive city.
1: Oh yeah, it's almost California prices, even with food and just lifestyle and, and housing. Housing over there where i was at i had a three-bedroom apartment a huge balcony huge rooftop in downtown and it cost me about 500 us a month and that was all to myself uh the same apartment in taipei might be like two thousand us so about four times more
0: wow 500 is a great price
1: oh yeah (laughs) i had it all i had a I had a room for, like, gaming and my computer. I had my bedroom. I had a a room for mixing music and a huge living room, big kitchen, two balconies. Yeah, it was nice.
0: Nice. How how long did you live in that place?
1: That apartment, I lived there for maybe three months. Uh, I lived real close to there, but in, like, a shoebox before. And it wasn't until I did quarantine on my trip back uh, I had to do two weeks in quarantine in that shoebox. And I was like, this is too small.
0: Got it. And yeah. you moved out?
1: I moved out and it was like, uh, I don't know, 200 US dollars more <laughs> for a massive apartment. So yeah, definitely worth it.
0: Nice. How was Ty- I mean, how was teaching kindergartners? I mean, Ty- Taiwanese kindergartners at that. <laughs>
1: uh you know their base for English is really small I would say at least where I was at I think in Taipei the kids are really smart and really uh you know they come from wealthier families so they're just learning English it seems from such a young age but where I was at the kids English was pretty poor so with kindergartners, you know, you just really got to have fun, play games. It's more of an exposure to a foreigner job where they're learning that there's people that aren't like them. Uh, but yeah, that job's great because you're just showered in unconditional love. Uh, you walk on campus and I taught half the school and all my students would come to me, care, Greg, and just like kind of cling to my leg and attack me and, even the other half of the school i didn't know they they would scream my name it was like you're a celebrity over there
0: that's awesome
1: yeah wow yeah but uh like for the teaching part it's it's not so it doesn't feel so much like teaching it seems more like just like daycare and playing with them and uh but that's just for one i taught a few different uh schools when i was there so it was i got a mix of it all really
0: Okay. What was the reason you ended up in Taiwan? Did you choose to go there?
1: Yeah, I chose to go there. So basically, where I was at in my life in California, um, switching career paths a few times, and kind of moving back with my parents, they're giving me timelines when I got to move out by uh, and find a, a proper job. And I kind of hit that timeline where uh i hated the job i was working it just uh, wasn't meant for me and so uh i quit that and then they're like all right well it's kind of towards that time you got to move out and i wasn't just going to take a job that uh would pay the bills and get me out of the house because i don't think that would put me further in life i think it would just be like a step even back yes (laughs) uh and maybe i'd get comfortable working a job I didn't like and then I don't know I just didn't feel right for me so I applied to like a million jobs didn't really go anywhere uh, in terms of the job search so then I thought oh because my brother had been teaching in Taiwan at that time for like five years oh wow and part of that was I never had the money or the free time to go visit him Because, you know, it costs a thousand bucks for a flight probably. And to take time off for a few weeks, most jobs will be like, well, why don't you just quit and come back if we have (laughs) space, you know? So uh, I ended up saying, oh, I can knock two birds out with one stone. I'll go go over there, spend some some of my life with him and then um, make some money and uh, have a job and be independent from my parents
0: nice and did you gain that independence how'd you
1: yeah I mean I was living on my own and uh you know paying my own bills and uh I paid off all my college debt while I was there
0: nice congrats
1: thank you so I came back here with no debt and just kind of like a fresh fresh life I don't have any car payments or anything i really have to pay for so my my thought was like oh i could be a bum if i wanted to no one's looking for me for money so no not the life i want
0: (laughs) nice nice but that's a good feeling to know that you don't have you know payments to banks or anything so Mm -hmm. like if you want to get a house or you know a car or whatever no one's you don't have any other obligation
1: Mm -hmm. yeah definitely so yeah, that's where I'm at now. Is like, uh, kind of looking for looking for work, and I don't have a car, so just using the family car. But I definitely got to get one because, unlike Taiwan, uh, America, you have to have a car.
0: <laughs> yes, especially Southern California. Oh yeah,
1: oh yeah, for sure. I, I'm lucky that my parents pretty much go everywhere. They have two cars, and they pretty much go everywhere together. And I have a spare car, but uh, if I didn't. I would be asking the bum from my friends for rides and stuff like that.
0: Nice. That's nice. So you, <clears throat> your parents are helping you out. Mm, yeah, for sure. Uh, is your brother still in Taiwan?
1: Yeah, so he's married there. Wow. Uh, yeah, he's been there like six years now. Uh, he bought a house. Uh, what city? It's, it's in a city, an area called Qingpu which is right next to their high-speed rail so you can get it was nice because i lived with him my last week i was in taiwan because i moved out of my apartment and then uh like walking distance to the high-speed rail so you could go to taipei in like 20 minutes uh you can go down south you could literally go to the southern tip of the island in maybe like an hour and a half two hours
0: yeah. okay so you can
1: could, you could travel the whole island very conveniently nice yeah, but he's been there for about six years. I have no... Uh, I don't think he has any plans of coming back unless, wow. you know, politics with China get bad, but uh, I think he's going to stay there probably his whole life. It's, it's a comfortable life for him, yeah.
0: That's exciting. for. And he married a Taiwanese national?
1: Yeah, yeah. He married his wife, Petra, who is a sweetheart and when I was there, I felt like I had two moms in, in Taiwan. So it was like, I always had someone looking after me.
0: Nice. That's a good, that's, uh, that's a great feeling to go to a foreign nation like that, but have your brother and then have his wife there too.
1: Yeah. They were always on my case for like uh, uh governmental things I needed to take care of, like my uh, residency cards and my license and my lease, like anything I needed to take care of. They were always on my case for that kind of holding me accountable. Nice. Yeah.
0: Okay. Wow. To, when did you end up leave, Like what day did, what month did you leave to come back here? No, to go to Taiwan.
1: I went there in June, uh, June 1st of 2019
0: okay yeah so so it was
1: like right before COVID like I don't know about a half a year before COVID hit
0: okay and how was experiencing COVID over there
1: (laughs) that was the place to be (laughs) really yeah COVID basically didn't get there um I'm not exactly sure but I think they had like a bet when SARS was going around uh they got hit pretty bad and that was I don't know how long ago that was but basically this time around, they were like, we need to be prepared if anything like a virus happens again. So essentially there was no COVID there for the whole time I was there. The first time it came was when I was actually coming to California in May to visit. So my, my experience with COVID there was no experience. It was basically, we had to wear masks on the MRT um what's the MRT like the metro okay yeah so we had to wear masks on the metro but that's not you know that's not a big deal um I think we I'm not sure when I don't think when we had to like register for events like on google docs and give our information and stuff like that but you know we were still in the clubs like every weekend you could go out nice. and enjoy life uh normally but then when I came here it was funny as soon as I came here to visit May that's when basically there was like a pilot I think like a New Zealand pilot maybe he was uh he flew in and broke quarantine to go see his mistress and then uh spread COVID or something like that or there was all these guys that went to like um massage parlors or something like that and and basically there was an outbreak and then but the highest the cases ever got in Taiwan is about 200 cases like wow. active active like new cases per day or whatever um so still pretty low but even at that time there was like a soft lockdown where schools were all shut down schools went to online uh which sucks cuz parents use schools as daycare really yes and um yeah, for a while it was pretty unpleasant, but that was it was really bad when I was in California, and then I got back and I quarantined for two weeks, and that was most of the lockdown. But then it was it was kind of a bit of a culture shock coming back to Taiwan because uh, basically it wasn't the country I had left. It was like wow, everyone's all super scared, and and we have to behave certain ways now. Like shops were closed. It was just weird.
0: Wow. Yeah, that is. That is weird that it happened while you were gone.
1: Yeah. (laughs) So, um, yeah. And then I got back and it got a little better. It slowly got better. And then we were able to start having like events again. And, um, but it was weird. Even when we got down to like zero, like zero cases for like two consecutive weeks or we'd have like one case pop up people were still like super strict about the rules and they're like, uh, you know, Asian countries are super like, let's listen to what the government tells us obey. And yes. you have to wear like a mask outside while riding a bike. And I'm just like, I, I was really never rocking a mask outside and people were looking at me like I was crazy. And, uh, but I didn't really care. Cause I was like, this is stupid. There's like no COVID in this country. I'm going to use my brain and do what I think is right for me.
0: Nice and it's uh, that's a huge culture shock i went to thailand once and i didn't realize like asian countries are super pro government listen to the government follow the rules it's like the polar opposite (laughs) of here
1: yeah and where i learned that comes from is you, you see it in the educational system uh when you're teaching the little kids they're doing rote memorization and um, essentially copying exactly what you're telling them. Like, so they're not really doing much free thinking or creative stuff. So most people you get are growing up to be robots and workers. And then, you know, they just do whatever the government tells them. Like I remember one of the last, one of the last classes I taught in Taiwan for coming back here. Cause I was getting fed up with the whole, copying and, and rote memorization so I was like let's just take out a piece of paper we're gonna draw draw some pictures today and they were learning about like morning routine so they knew like six words or six like phrases of like brush your teeth comb your hair yada, yada yada so I was like draw the first thing you do when you wake up and they just looked at me like completely blank like a couple kids drew stuff and then the rest were like looking at each other like what do we do what do we do and then it isn't until you give them an example Or, like, tell them, okay, just draw this, that they would start working. And then they just be copying each other. And it it was just, it got frustrating as a teacher because it's like, I don't care if you can memorize anything. I don't find that to be a useful skill. I want you to be able to think for yourself.
0: Yes. Dang. That's, oh, that's crazy.
1: Yeah. So I always, I always like really appreciated my Taiwanese friends like the grownups that were the super creative ones, like my artist friends or DJ friends. Cause I'm like, wow, you guys actually have a creative mentality and that's not something that's taught, you know, it's something we kind of have to tap into.
0: Yes. To get that even like against the grain of having an education system that prizes memorizing and being a part of the system it's that makes it a lot harder because here it's like we're we're prized for or like celebrated for being an individual or doing something out of the box or doing something creative so did you get that warning before you went in or did you just kind of gradually realize that
1: oh i had no idea yeah (laughs) and it like i said it would just get frustrating because even your like co-teacher, the Taiwanese teacher, would be like, it doesn't matter. Just like let them copy this down. Write they'd say, write it on the board. I was like, why would I write it on the board? Then they're not gonna actually think for themselves. It's like it doesn't matter. They just gotta write it down. I was like, oh
0: come on. Wow. Yeah. Dang. But now that you're back, you don't want to teach anymore.
1: No. no, it wasn't necessarily a career path. It was more just like a life experience I wanted to get. Uh, if I were to teach again, maybe I teach like art or something like that. But nothing, nothing like where it's just memorization. Kids can kids take a lot of patience. Yes, you know you can't like there's definitely some teachers that were in there. I'm like, why are you a teacher? You have to like kids to also be a teacher if you're teaching kids. Like I had some teachers that just like you're like you hate kids. Like no, I don't. You hate kids. wow <laughs> so the way well the way you behave looks like you hate kids because your patience level is so small
0: were most of those teachers taiwanese
1: uh the ones that didn't like the kid
0: or uh, any of the other ones
1: well you you pretty much always taught with a taiwanese teacher okay uh depending on which school you're at and how they're set up but no uh they would, for the English, there'd always be foreign teachers of English speaking countries. Okay. Like, like, there'd be some people that were like teaching from non English speaking countries, but that's like, I don't even know if that's legal over there. Got it. So, there'd be like a lot of Canadians, there'd be South there's a ton of South Africans. Um, really? There. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I I only have like one South African friend in California. So to go over there and have a a bunch of South African friends is an interesting experience. Um, And then where else? I felt like almost as a minority, as an American, at least in my friend group, because there was like Australian, New Zealand, uh, South African, um, England, but like very little americans it felt like
0: it's kind of strange that like americans aren't as international uh, or that we do we do have an international presence but not like english people or Mm. because when i mean i'm sure you recognize that you're two years outside of the country but like when you're in america we pretty much only focus on what's going on in america
1: Oh, yeah. And I mean, I think the whole world kind of does that. That's that's something I learned when I was over there, too. It's like everyone was so involved in uh, American politics because I was there during the elections and all that. And, yeah, it was like it seemed like everyone. it, it seems like America is the world. That's what it felt like.
0: Really? Even in yeah. Taiwan?
1: Yeah. Wow. Because, I mean, American politics is important to them because they're like, oh, who's going to support Taiwan if China – China tries to strong arm them, you know?
0: Yes. And they got they got a pretty good... They're still getting some pretty good support right now by the, from the U.S.
1: Yeah, I'm not exactly sure what's going on with that. But uh, well, my brothers... Because it, it seemed like it was like every other week, it was like China is talking about invading Taiwan. Uh, but my brother's wife, I asked her, I'd send her articles. They're like, yeah, they've been saying this for 100 years. So I'm not sure if like the biggest difference is now that we have social media that like, basically it's in your face more, but I think that threat's kind of always been there and they, they kind of want to just stay in the shadow and be like, we could, if we wanted to, but I guess Taiwan's biggest value is like, they produce like chips, uh, computer chips basically for the world. Yes. And like, they're like the biggest provider for like Apple and all that. So basically if they were to mess with that, I don't know. I think everyone kind of wants to be on China's side because they don't want to lose that supply as well. But uh I don't know. It's difficult politics.
0: It's difficult politics for sure. And yeah, way out of like you—you you probably know a decent amount of it since you were there. But like that Taiwan-China relationship is probably really old.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah, and it's it, it's it like, I was always confused because there's like a political party there that still wants to like kind of be a part of China. Oh, and really? I'm, and it just seems like, why would you want to do that? You have your independence from China and I don't know why they want the, the help of China because that doesn't seem like a life they want. Like, I don't know, it's just not a life I would want to live. But then again, it's not my country, so...
0: What what are Taiwanese people like?
1: To foreigners, they're super friendly. It seemed like they were pretty friendly to each other too, but they were always like, you know, super interested when they see a foreigner. Where I live, there weren't too many foreigners. So when they see when they see me, they're like you'd see them whispering like, Oh, there's a foreigner. And then the other person would look at you and I'd kind of always mess with them. And like if I saw someone talking about me, I'd just like catch them looking at me and stuff. Um But in Taipei, there's foreigners everywhere, so they're way more accustomed to it. But the people are super friendly, super hospitable. Um, I had some close Taiwanese friends. I think most of my friends were foreigners when I was there, but I did have some Taiwanese friends that I I got really close with that I'll still talk to probably the rest of my life. Uh, But yeah, super nice. And uh, you know, wanna have a good time and yeah.
0: Nice. Damn, that's crazy. I mean, if your brother wasn't there, you wouldn't have moved there, probably.
1: Yeah, I don't think so. Because, you know, I was like, oh, maybe I'll go abroad. And I asked him about, like, Korea. Because he taught in Korea for two years as well before that. Wow. And, and so, like, when I uh, when I was asking, I was like, well, I don't want to kind of just go to a country where I don't know anyone or know what, what's going on. So I think that was probably the reason I ended up going there.
0: And so your brother has been in East Asia for eight years now.
1: Yeah. 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 That's what that's, you know, that's kind of why I had to go out there because it's like, it seems like he had been out of my life for so long. You know, you can only FaceTime and text so much before you're like, all right, well, I guess I'll see you every four years. (laughs) Yes, did you
0: ever go to East Asia before that?
1: no I had only been to India I went to India um, I don't know what I think 2017 I went there for a month to like do yoga teacher training uh, but I don't yeah that's that's East Asia I guess but most people wouldn't think of India when they think of Asia
0: no how was that month in India and what city were you in
1: I was in Rishikesh, which is like the yoga capital of the world. Um, Basically, where I was at in life, I was teaching, or no, I wasn't teaching. I was uh, working at a drug rehab. I did that for like two years and kind of taking in all that (laughs) negative energy all day. Uh, If you're not dealing with that properly, it kind of gets to you. And I got to the point where I was like, I can't do this any longer. So I quit. I quit my job and basically used that month as a retreat. I wasn't too serious about the actual certification or like the about using the teaching for my future, but it was more like, oh, I can have a place to stay for a month and uh, have yoga classes, whatever, five times a day. Or I don't even know how many times we did it, but uh, that was great. Um, uh it was really hot i met a lot of cool people the indian people are like you know they're some of the poorest people with the richest hearts like there was one shop owner we'd go to his place every day he'd give us tea and he didn't want us to buy anything he's like i just want you guys to hang out and he's like next time you come to india you know you stay with me. They, they truly mean it they're like next time you come you're staying with me don't get a hotel there was even like an indian guy in taiwan who had the the local indian restaurant and. Every time I'd walk by, he's like, "Come in!" He'd just feed me for free. It was—they're just like really, such, yeah, such nice people.
0: Wow, yeah. That's, did you? Was the retreat mostly with Indian people, or were you with
1: uh, the people leading it were all Indian? Uh, but the students—I think there was there were like thirty students in my class, and there was like four guys and a bunch of girls, which was always nice um yes (laughs) but no they were from all over the world so now like on my facebook or instagram i have uh like contacts all around the world that i'm you know i still talk to so
0: that's awesome yeah damn one month quit your job and then one month in india one
1: month in india yeah then i came back i was, you know, still not like, okay, I don't know. I think since I graduated, I've been like, what do I want to do? That doesn't suck so bad uh, yes. and, pay, and pay as well. It's, that's been probably my biggest struggle in life. Um, and then I like kind of taught meditation and taught yoga at uh, the rehabs again. But that, that wasn't like a job that could get me out of, get me independent again. Uh, independent again. So I had to quit that and get like some sales roles.
0: Okay, and that was in between India and Taiwan?
1: Yeah, yeah, I did some sales roles, uh, different sales roles. Then the last sales role is basically like, I need to not do this anymore. So I quit. As soon as I found out I got my uh, job in Taiwan, they were like, we don't know when we'll start you, but you're hired. Uh, and so uh, as soon as I figured that out, I had a little bit of money saved up. So I just quit my job. It was April fool's day. I went in there. I was like, I know it's April fool's day, but I quit They're like, yeah, we saw this coming. Uh, and then I had basically right before Taiwan, I had about two months. And for those two months, I had a friend that had a vegan food vending business. So we would just travel from music festival, to music festival uh like in his rv and just sell vegan food at at festivals and that was like oof, that was like the best time of my life it was so fun really yeah just because it's like you, you have really healthy yummy food and when you're a food vendor you just go up to the other food vendors like hey this is what we have do you want to trade for what you have it's like yeah sure and you just you know when you're in food service uh, there's something about it you just like makes all these people that are like little grumpy happy and then you know you're just like dancing and making food and you go to all these festivals for free and i just my my tribe just got bigger and bigger and bigger it was super fun
0: that sounds awesome yeah sean actually told me that he saw you at a festival in santa barbara
1: yeah that was uh what was that one lucidity yeah it yes. was like the funniest thing ever so i was working for the i wasn't working for my friend at that one because he didn't get into that festival but my my other friend was basically like hey lucidity still looking for um it's still looking for volunteers and so i volunteered for them and they're basically giving us the lowdown they're like hey so guys we're going to take you on a, a big truck up the hill so you guys can work parking and i just like i think I just hear like behind me is like Greg Devlin. And I looked back and I saw Sean and I, I literally like Sean fell off the face of the earth. Like I hadn't seen him in maybe five years and he didn't keep in contact with anyone. I think he had to just take care of himself and just like kind of dip. So I hadn't seen him in so long. And I, you know, I love Sean. And I just went, ah! I screamed as loud as I can for like 30 seconds. and He was just like, Oh my God. <laughs> gave him the biggest hug. And, got to hang out with him for the rest of the weekend it's funny because i think he went by himself and he just like showed up kind of after the festival started so he just picked a a camping spot like that was already with full of people and like he met all the people that he was surrounded by and those people were also my friends from like some event i went to in la so it was just like super weird that he had found that spot with like my friends already
0: oh nice so then when you met up then it was easy mm, for yeah. them to connect mm, yeah damn yeah <laughs> was but that wasn't with your friend with the vegan no 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 vegan a... food truck what yeah, were you yeah. guys selling
1: uh they called buddha bowls basically it was like a, it had a grain base of like quinoa rice some other grain and then it had like beans in that base And then on top, it was just like a bunch of shredded veggies together, and this like Buddha sauce that was super good, and like roasted walnuts on top. And
0: dude, I've eaten uh,
1: this. Yeah, at
0: Lightning in a Bottle.
1: Yeah, we were there. Did we were there? uh, The one in Bakersfield.
0: Bakersfield? No. Yeah,
1: that was 2019. But I'm sure he was at that one too. They're called bite bowls.
0: Okay, and they're massive.
1: Yeah, it's a pretty big, pretty big operation
0: for like festival truck food. I just remember this like massive thing of grain and sauce yeah. and veggies, and just being like, "Look how much more food veganism can feed." <laughs> yeah, for like fifteen dollars than if you were uh, to get hot meat. Dog or <laughs> yeah, if you get a hot dog, it's like a quarter of the amount of calories
1: yeah and it felt good like giving people proper nutrition at festivals because a lot of the time people are not getting much sleep you know taking drugs and so for us to be like hey i don't know if you're vegan or not but this is gonna give you the energy you need to keep dancing for eight hours at a time
0: yes yeah, some clean energy in Mm -hmm. a place where you know they might not Be doing such clean things,
1: yeah. The only I'd say the only downside to it is there's a lot of fiber in that food.
0: (laughs) There, oh oh, yeah. You have to be careful. Yeah. Oh man, jeez. Yeah,
1: not you don't want to use festival porta potties if you don't have to.
0: No, no. But (laughs) then I mean, you you have to eventually. Oh yeah. I call those
1: the I call those the portal potties.
0: The portal potties. Yeah. What do you mean?
1: Like, I don't know, if you're taking some psychedelic or something and you go in there, you're like, I feel like you feel like you're in there for like two oh, hours in, in a different world.
0: Got it, got yeah. it. Portal potties. Yeah. Those are so much fun festivals.
1: Yeah. So actually uh we went to Lightning in a Bottle. It was May, and I left June like first. So like May, the mid of May, we went to Lightning in a Bottle. I was out of my house for 18 days straight. It was like, went to this camping and set up and tear down takes like a couple days before and after. So I went to Lightning in a Bottle. Uh, We tore down, hit up downtown LA to like, there's this like farmer's market that I don't think most people know about this, but you can go buy like bulk vegetables for like pennies. Like it's so cheap. And that's what like vendors and restaurants do and it just blew my mind i was like how are people starving like they're they're gonna go buy mcdonald's for 10 bucks but you could buy like 10 bucks worth of veggies and it's so much food so what part of la was that you know i'm not exactly sure i'd have to ask my friend if you're interested but uh yeah it was it was like i don't know four or three years ago but yeah so we loaded up the rv with a ton of vegetables and everything we needed for the next festival and then we drove straight to EDC wow uh, yeah and then we did edc edc was like one of the more one of the first like more non-conscious festivals that we were doing but it was like a good paid gig for him so we ended up doing it and edc was super fun for me uh and that was the week before i went to taiwan so wow
0: it was what a, a, a good way send, to end off <laughs> yeah
1: the a the only to... heartbreaking part about it was like especially with lib like the crew we had at lib um that was like the first time i felt like i had found my my family my tribe and then it was like oh this is everything you've been looking for since you've been here all right we'll see you later good luck
0: <laughs> yes uh damn yeah that's kind of a sad
1: thing. That, i mean yeah I'll, I'll get into how taiwan left too it was like it just seems that like how it goes and but it's funny because when i came back uh my friend called me what, two nights ago and he's like, we need two more people for EDC this year.
0: Oh, that's <laughs> so, in like next weekend, isn't it?
1: Yeah. So I'm flying out on Monday and I'm going <laughs> to go work, work EDC with a, with another group. This one will be more of like a working paid gig than before. It was like more of a work trade. This one will be more of a, a paid gig. So, but I'm I'm, you know. I'm just stoked to get out of the parents' house for a week yes. and get back into the music festivals. Cause that's like, I feel like that's, it's just so much fun.
0: It's so much fun. I mean, yeah. we're going to get older, but I just don't see us not going to music festivals.
1: <laughs> Absolutely.
0: Yeah. It, In
1: Taiwan, like my, my group of friends were all like DJs and uh, just the mu- music scene was really where I found my, my group of friends. And you know we had people over forty still going hard with us, so
0: really, that's awesome you know, How was the music and nightclub scene in Taiwan?
1: Yeah, so I was more into the underground scene oh wow there was uh some big some big like e d m clubs and stuff, which I would love to go to. you know there's always like beautiful girls, there's fun pop like pop culture music going on and it's like it's super fun that like i said they treat foreigners super well they're super interested And they're like yeah let's go uh but my group of friends never were into that so i never really got the experience at those like big kind of like i don't know what you'd imagine a club would be like like bottle service and like uh e- edm kind of clubs but the clubs yeah, i went to were like uh um the underground scene so it was like techno house deep house uh stuff like that stuff i like to listen to more but there was like mainly two clubs uh one was called pawn shop and one was called b1 uh but yeah it was super fun we'd stay there and we'd be like b1 is on the underneath the first floor so you'd walk downstairs uh, and it'd be like seven a.m. when we're like crawling up the stairs in oh the sun. The God. sun, the sun's out already, and like calling a cab. Like, uh is this is in
0: that? the city that you're in? You,
1: that's in Taipei, which is where okay. all the action is. Yeah, yeah.
0: all the, so all the actions in Taipei. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, the action worth going to. Where I lived was kind of like a, I don't know, like there's like more gangsters in that area, and oh wow. Uh, it's funny because my one apartment I lived in basically my back window when I did my tour I was like oh look um I'm my I have no view it's facing the building next to me I was like I guess that would be good because there'll be no sound like no uh traffic noises and there was a nightclub literally in that alleyway so it was like every night I'd be asleep I'd wake up at maybe like I think it was 3 a.m. and I would just hear people screaming like drunk girls and, and people getting in fights and the cops coming and that was like every night.
0: Every night like even weekday nights?
1: It sucked, yeah.
0: <laughs> it <Dang>. the- wow. <laughs> yeah. In the alley, this club was not even in the building It was
1: no, so it was it was like the alleyway. Basically the alleyway went like this and then there was a street right here and it was right on the corner. Okay. But like I said, that area, that area was kind of more gangster and gangsters in Taiwan are not like dangerous. They're not like, Oh, I'm scared of this person. Like, I think they do like more gambling stuff. So if you owe them money, then they might uh, be more aggressive. But uh, for the most part, they're, you know, they're pretty friendly people as well. But like the cops would come and they know this is like a, probably a gangster run club. So, they would like the cops wouldn't do anything they'd sit there for like an hour trying to get these people to stop fighting and they're just yelling at each other i'm like i'm at the point where i'm like would y'all start punching each other in the face so this can end yes oh, but they're, wow. they literally literally just screamed at each other for hours on end like bloody mary and i'm like oh my god i'm gonna go down there and start whooping some ass you guys be quiet.
0: <laughs> dude wow yeah. That's, dude. That's the type of stuff that does not go down here, unless maybe L.A. But
1: I mean, you always get bar fights. That's that's kind of something that always goes down. But
0: that's yeah. true. But you don't get like the three a.m. seven. Oh no, because
1: because bars end at two. You know. Yes. You might have to deal with a little BS, but the but the cops here, like you're afraid of cops. Yes. In Taiwan, like it was it was something i had to get used to in town because it was like i'd be like driving my scooter walking on the street and i'd see a cop and my first reaction would be like you know fuck the police but the police are super nice there they're like super helpful they're not ever trying to get you in trouble like i got pulled over like 10 times for like running red lights doing illegal turns speeding whatever and they you take off your helmet they're like oh it's a foreigner sorry we pulled you over you can go really yeah, I got out of most
0: of my tickets. Just... Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Do they carry on in Taiwan?
1: I don't think so. I know guns are illegal in Taiwan. Uh, but I'm not sure. Maybe. It's a good question. I didn't notice.
0: <laughs> that changes the dynamic a lot.
1: Yeah. You never... I never felt... I never felt like unsafe in Taiwan. Never like, and as soon as I came back, I like went, visited some friends in long beach. I parked my car. It was like instantly like, Oh yeah, I got to watch my back out here.
0: Yeah, dude. This place is actually pretty dangerous in a lot of like, I went to England and I didn't, I, I was like, this place is incredibly safe. And yeah because we have a lot of guns everywhere
1: yeah and just like a lot of mental like yes mental people just like yes you never know what you're gonna get here
0: no you never know it's like yeah a lot of were there any homeless people in taiwan
1: yeah but nothing like here like you'd see the same like five around the downtown area and they're like still eating and sleeping around but it's not like never was never begging like you get like you get in california you get people that are like look normal that are just like hey what's up excuse me can i have some money you're just like what what no go away yeah over there they were like i'm homeless it's fine like just what i want to do and I don't know. They never, like, bothered me or anything. Okay. It it didn't seem like, didn't seem like anything like it is out here, for sure.
0: It's kind of crazy out here.
1: The amount of homelessness? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's like, I don't know. It always confused me, but it's at the same time it's like, if you were going to be homeless, you might as well do it in Southern California next to the beach. That's true. <laughs> That's true. And maybe Thanks. if you're begging, you know, there's a good amount of money here to maybe get from people, but at the same time, I don't know. You could try and start a life up in a place that doesn't cost so much.
0: It's, yeah, it's tough, because those people are like, like you said, there's a lot of mental illness and like, that probably stops them from getting anywhere
1: yeah for sure and like you can give them as much money as you want but that you know until there's someone takes them in and gets them in a program to where they're like oh i can work a job and get i don't know maybe some housing and stuff like that it's kind of hard to get on your feet
0: yeah it is it's even if there is a way it can seem impossible from that perspective or that situation
1: yeah and the funny thing is is like they're actually probably with how much debt people have these days they're probably actually richer than some people driving around in cars
0: dude yes oh man that's (laughs) that's no no joke I, i i read a book that one time said like donald trump at one point in the 90s was 92 million 92 million or something dollars in debt. Yeah. And then you look into a like person who sleeps on the street and you're just like they're 92 mi- <laughs> million dollars richer than me.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. but you could still have all these I don't know tangible things and still be in such debt. So it's just confusing.
0: It's very confusing. <laughs> it's it's kind of it's crazy that dynamic of like debt but then still being able to make purchases and take on more debt with credit cards
1: yeah i don't get all that it's like you have to have credit you have to you have to have credit to say to like get a house or any of that stuff but it's like what about like college and paying for your cars and like there's there's got to be other ways to prove you can't even like buy a house like I don't know if you have all the ca- cash and stuff and they're like no, well, well, we want you to we need to have credit line
0: yes and the, the price can change or I mean if you have all cash yes but the amount of loans you can get changes based off of that and it's kind of a weird system Yeah.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of parts about America I didn't miss. That's for sure.
0: Do people use credit cards in Taiwan?
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, But I didn't know too many people like in crippling debt from like shopping and stuff like that. I don't know. Here they're like, you want to go buy McDonald's? Like, would you like the McDonald's card? You'll get get $500 cash on your card if you buy it. It's like, what? Some people are just buying credit cards everywhere, you know? yes
0: yes dude it's good that you got away from that culture and you're able to recognize that a lot of people don't and i
1: feel like i feel like just like getting out of debt is like the first step of breaking out of the matrix really yes Cause you're just pretty much, you know, we go to school cause we're promised to get a good job if you go to school and then you're just like $20,000, $30,000 in debt. And now what do you have to do? You have to work. Like yes. right now, I don't, I don't have to work. You know, I'm fortunate enough that my parents are letting me crash here, but you know, that'll come to an end too. But at least I won't have to work if I don't want to like no. so many people have to work. And I think that's a big problem in like the medical field right now too. These people are, are, Like people are investing, what, 10 years of their life to go to school to become a doctor. And then basically they're like, hey, maybe we don't agree with what's going on right now. And they're like, oh, you don't agree? Okay, then you're canceled as a doctor. We're going to revoke your license. And now they're like, okay, how am I supposed to pay off $200,000 worth of my school debt? And so they're basically like, okay, we're going to do whatever you tell us. Like, I feel like doctors are prisoners these days now because of that.
0: I agree completely. It's it you're right. Doctors of like any type, psychology, physical doctors, it's like they have to adhere to the standard cuz it's so regulated. And like you said, they give up so much like not even like money. Yes, they give up a lot of money but then like 10 years of their life to schooling or something. And it's like when you give up that 10 years, it's like, you're not going to risk anything after that. Yeah. And you're only going to be making money in one way. And that's by doing, you know, your medical practice mm-hmm. in a hospital. Yep. And so you, you, you have to listen to them.
1: Yep. It's... Yeah, You don't really, you don't really get your free speech when you're a doctor anymore. And I think that's like one of the biggest corrupted fields in the world right now. I think it's pretty clear to see.
0: What makes you say that?
1: Uh, I I don't know. You get like all these psychological doc or psych doctors that are like, all they do is, you know, they, t- what's your problem? Type it in. All right, here's these pills and, you know, they're getting pills from Big Pharma and Big Pharma is giving them all these kickbacks. You know, it's I, to Taiwan, they have national health care there. So I was paying maybe like 20 bucks a month. Wow. For my for my health insurance, which is great. And then like to see the doctor for any reason, it was like six bucks. Uh, So it was just like super cheap. Then you go and you're like, hey, I have a cough. And they're like, okay. And they'd give you a bag of like, 10 different pills for one day and then you get you get like 4 days worth so you'd have like a million pills and i'd be like you know it's all in chinese i'm like what <laughs> i go home start googling everything like what am i taking like i don't even know what i'm taking and you know you, you really have to be your own doctor cuz i don't know i'm not trying to take a goodie bag full of pills every time i have a little you know cough or something
0: yes dude i mean i think I hope our generation is more aware of the you know, things that come out of medicine because it used to be just no questions asked, do what your doctor says, take whatever mm-hmm. he's given you, whatever the prescription is. But like I'm on your boat. I don't want to take like, whatever is being prescribed. You know, every antibiotic that I'm at, told to take, every single opiate. Yeah. It's you know, unnecessary. And- yeah,
1: I I quit drinking and like the first week I quit drinking, it was like I had insomnia for four days straight, and it was like really bad, like scary insomnia where like felt like demons are visiting me and stuff like that. And so I went to the doctor, I was like this is what's going on i can't sleep i'm getting cold sweats and uh she was like okay gave me some stuff and then they like, gave me xanax to help me sleep and i was like i'm not gonna take xanax because <laughs> because i you know i think being in orange county a lot of my friends abused xanax and really ruined their lives with that stuff so and, i i no better than that but they they were like oh you got a headache xanax get this xanax i'm like
0: "What? <laughs> crazy yeah it's crazy culture when did you quit alcohol it's
1: been about six months now wow yeah i've quit i've quit for three years before after i graduated college uh that was a journey of itself i quit for like three years and then i picked it up again and then i quit in taiwan for three months at one point and then i picked it up again and then the last six months i quit
0: what was the reason you've quit the, mo- the most recent time?
1: Um, hmm. You know, it's, it gets worse and worse every time. Uh, we had like a camping festival on the beach for like, I was there for like four or five days and it was just a bender, like drank so much to where the last day it was like, I got back to my friend's house to the city and was just so uncomfortable like my body was in so much pain uh alcohol really messes up my stomach and obviously it's like horrible for your gut health and your gut produces what like 90 percent of your serotonin something like that so it's like how am I ever going to be healthy or happy if I'm just poisoning my stomach over and over and over and also like I get super skinny because As soon as I drink alcohol, like I don't eat. And then even the next day, I can't eat. So it's like, it's pretty bad for me.
0: Wow. Damn. So six months you've been
1: sober? I wouldn't say sober. I would say off alcohol. alcohol. (laughs) (laughs) Dude,
0: that's, I mean, alcohol kind of can suck.
1: Alcohol is the worst, but I mean, I'm not going to preach sobriety to anyone because. No there's so many people that can drink and have like such a good time and it doesn't affect their life at all and then there's people like me that are just like the worst guy you know (laughs) when when, when you drink so it's like i don't know i i I can be super fun too but uh i could also get really mean and and just like kind of ruin my life so for me it's it's right for me and That kind of also like kind of changed my life in Taiwan, too, because, you know, when you're going out and having fun and drinking all the time, everything's good, you know, everything feels fine. But then I like I stopped drinking and basically it was like, whoa, all my friends do is drink. I don't really want to hang out with them anymore. And then I was like, why would I move to Taipei if all they're going to be doing is drinking? And then it was just like it completely changed my path, I think, like quitting again. Oh,
0: Wow. Yeah. You, you think that played a pretty big part in you yeah. not getting
1: for for sure. Like the first time I quit drinking in Taiwan, I did about three months. That was actually when I paid off all my college debt because I was like so focused. Like it really, my values like come straight to the forefront when I quit. Um, I think I avoid myself when I drink, uh, and so like last time I quit, it was like okay, what do I want from life? and i was like i don't really want to teach it like i don't know i was kind of at a, a a lost like phase and i asked one of my best friends from here and i was like hey are you any advice and he just told me he's like follow your greatest excitement and i just thought like what excites me like teaching and i just realized like teaching doesn't excite me anymore it did but now it doesn't and then i thought like well, working in festivals always excited me nice So I'm like stoked I get to do that next week. It is cool because like I asked I talked to my mom that same night and she told me she's like, What excites you? And I was like, Oh my god, people keep asking me the same question. And I haven't even asked myself that in a while. I think that's so important to be like, because you know, why are we living if we're not excited about what we're doing?
0: Absolutely. It's it's that's not that's a great question. And you know, I don't ask myself it enough and most people I think don't ask them enough because we're just trying to escape by not really commit too much or like work too hard, (laughs) but it, it really makes life better if we can be excited and love what we're doing.
1: It's like, what do you need to be happy? And it's like, okay, that it's like, then why don't you just do that? A lot of people are too concerned about like making money or, like, I know my dad's, what he always reminds me of, it's like, you know, sometimes all this stuff is just means to an end. And I'm like, why not just enjoy it while you're doing it, though? Like, yes. that's been one of my biggest struggles in finding a job. It's like, what am I going to do that pays me? But also, I don't want to blow my brains out.
0: Yes. Cause that's and that's important. a real thing. Like, you know, there's a lot of issues with, um, you know, Americans and Amer- a lot of health issues a lot of mental health issues in America and I think a big part of it is like not really you know just being stoic in this nine to five work your ass off in corporate life you mm. get your medical insurance make sure that you know you're covered go to your doctor, just do all that. I think that, you know, that can like that whole thing plays a part in this, all of it it all connects back together.
1: Yeah. And that's like actually one of the most beautiful things about Taiwan was it was like you work about 20 hours a week, maybe like four hours a day. And here we're working like 40 to 60 hours a week. So, if you don't believe that you should be working your whole life in terms of like wake up go to work maybe after work go to the gym and then go to sleep you know that's not the life for you like it's such a great opportunity like especially i think it's like a creator's paradise like if you're a musician or an artist or whatever you want to do it's such a beautiful place to be because it's like okay go teach you still have more money to save like the lifestyle there is so cheap so you're like saving money your apartment can be huge and and nice and still save money. And then it's like, but really where you're getting rich is in your time. And if you yes. want to start a business, if you want to day trade, you want to do crypto, whatever you want to do, like, it's a great place to be because you're not spending your whole waking day at work.
0: And I think it's really important. Eight hours is really long to be in an office. Five yeah. days a week is t- a lot of days out of the week and yeah most you know, people for, are
1: scraping by with that
0: <laughs> yes yes it's not like we're experiencing a lot of freedom we're like scared to lose these you know opportunities that like really keep us hold us back significantly
1: no it's, it's not life <laughs>
0: no it's not it's not an enjoyable life i'm glad like you know, you you, you got to experience that four hours work life. I th- you know, work from home helps a lot too because now the commute is taken out. Mm. And, and like, I used to have to come home to make dinner and now I can make like lunch on a break instead and just mm. save some time in the evening. But it's real. Like the nine to five struggle and like mental health and, physical health and trying to balance that all out we need to get somewhere and yeah the
1: work life balance is huge
0: it's huge and stop like you know championing overworking if that makes sense
1: yeah like oh i'm a i'm a baller i grind so hard i work four jobs it's like that's cool if you like doing what you work like that's super cool but if you're like i go to work and i hate it all like that's just not a life for me at least
0: no and even but then again there's like
1: a lot of there's a lot of people that like the means to an end thing is like really real for them it doesn't bother them that much i got a lot of friends from college that are like buying houses now and driving nice cars and their job to them. They're like, it's whatever just pays the bills. Like they don't care that much. Then there's people like me who are like, I can't live like this. Like I'll go nuts. Like yes. and there's a lot of people like that or that are like awake enough to realize like, this isn't life. I can't live like this.
0: Yes. What, so, what do you think you want out of life moving forward?
1: what do i want uh (laughs) my dream job is stay at home dad
0: (laughs) nice you have to find a good good wife
1: for sure well the dream is is like because i think nowadays with like roles reversing like women can be bosses and women have that drive to be like fuck i don't need no man i'm gonna be the boss i'm like all right for sure do that and like but these women still want to have kids but yeah. they don't have the time to raise them, you know, then you need a man like me who's like, yeah, I want to do this. And cause I love kids. And also I want to be there every step of the way to watch my kid grow up and be able to shape them uh, into the men and women they'll become. But then again, it's like, I'll also have that freedom and like stress, like, like stress-free uh, time to like also work on whatever creative projects I'm doing like I want to be a creator I don't know what it is but like I need that time like if I'm working nine to five then you come home and you have to cook and like do all this stuff it's not realistic but no you know if you're taking care of the kids you know send them to school and I'm like oh cool now I got six hours to work on whatever my business work on my art work on my music like whatever it is but yeah but that's also down the line for me so i also have to figure out what can i do right now to put myself into that position uh to be a desirable ma- mate for that partner i can't just show up and be like where are the rich girls at
0: Yeah, straight <laughs> up <laughs> oh you
1: know, man they, they also want a man in power whether it's financial or just like how they hold themselves so i my life is really just me trying to become the best partner and best man i can become for that person
0: wow that was really well said and (laughs) i think that's a great spot to end it yeah greg do you have any last words that you'd like to say for the audience no
1: i think uh do it excites you and don't do it just because that's what everyone else is doing
0: (laughs) Nice. Thanks for coming on the podcast, Greg.
1: Thanks for having me, Chris. Talk to you soon. Talk to you soon. Take care. Bye.